Welcome to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. Every two weeks, we post podcast versions of one of our free training videos, or you can access our videos now at beyondordinarywomen.org. Enjoy the podcast. I'm Kay Daigle of Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, and I'd like to welcome you to this video podcast. In fact, if you want to watch a video and you're listening on podcasts, go to our website, beyondordinarywomen.org, or vice versa. And I am here today with Nika Spalding. Nika is the resident theologian at St. Jude in Oak Cliff of, Dal- of the Dallas area. And we are going to talk about, the actual title is Multiplying Strengths, a Case for Team Teaching. So we're going to talk about team teaching. So I thought we might just start, if you would just tell me what it means to be, to, to team teach. Yeah. What, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great place to start because <laughs> yeah. I think what people have in mind is either on stage at the same time talking one message, which is a form of team teaching, but that's really not the case I'm trying to make today. I'm going to make the case for having multiple teachers as the people teaching a Bible study. So let's say you have a women's Bible study, you're going to have 12 lessons in a semester, I'm making the case for having two to three, maybe four teachers that rotate through those lessons throughout that semester and and having a team of teachers rather than what we've historically seen in a lot of churches is one lead teacher that takes all the lessons. Um, I think there's a lot of merits to having a team do that and share the load and all that good stuff. So what are some of those merits? Yeah, I think one, one of the examples I had in my life is when I first began teaching the Bible, I came into a church that was fairly well established. They'd had the same teachers for several years, but they all happened to be from the same age, same sort of life stage. You know, really, just to be frank, they were north of 50 and most of them were grandmas and those were a lot of their examples. And they were phenomenal teachers, very gifted. But what team teaching allows you to do is to look at the body that you're trying to reach and have teachers that represents more broadly that body. And so if you've got a Bible study that's 20 years to 80 years in in age difference and all your teachers are 50 to 60, you might have 20s and 30-somethings feeling like maybe they don't really understand what I'm going through or maybe the examples don't always apply to me. And so I think any age group teacher can get examples for every generation. I know that. Um, but I, I can tell you as a 30-something, sometimes when a 30-something walks out on stage, I feel a little bit more known and seen by that teacher because they're walking through some of the same stuff that I'm walking through. And so I think that's one of the huge benefits is you have a more broad representation of the generation so that the examples, the teaching, even just the relatability is going to reach more people. Um, one of the other things that I think you do, though, is every ministry is always preparing for the next generation, or they should. And so if you have a seasoned group of teachers, this is such a great opportunity to maybe bring in a younger, less seasoned teacher and give her just a couple of opportunities in a semester to build on those gifts. Because I always tell people, we've talked a lot about millennials and the future, and I like to joke with UK, like, I'm the future whether you like it or not, so you might as well train me now. And so team teaching allows for some younger teachers, some more inexperienced teachers to have the opportunity to be around experienced teachers, to learn from them, and to have the opportunity to continue to use their gifts, build upon their gifts, um, and, and all that great stuff. Um, and then, frankly, I think we, especially living here in Dallas, as you mentioned, we have a little bit of a celebrity culture in the church. And what I've seen you is... I think that's all over the United States. I do, yeah, but I like dunking on my own city first and then oh, expanding, okay. so yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
didn't, I didn't want anybody to feel left yeah, out. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, Philly, you got the problem. LA, you have the problem. Yeah, yeah, I think in America, in the West, I think we have a huge celebrity culture problem. And how that manifests itself in women's ministries is you tend to have a teacher, and then you have people who just want to hear from this one voice. And they just believe everything they say because they've grown to really love this person. And I think the teacher sometimes takes on responsibilities that if you have a team of teachers, that begins to be diminished. And so everybody's been endowed with gifts from the Lord. If you're at a church that has more than 50 women in your ministry, I'm willing to bet you have more than one gifted teacher. And I think we can, can, we can squash down some of this idea of like we love one person and we love learning from that one person by elevating the gifts of everyone within our body. And so if you have multiple teachers, that's a bounty from the Lord. You should use that and take advantage of that. And so I think you'll have multiple voices. I think you'll have incredible insights and pers you know, perspectives that you wouldn't get from one teacher. And I think it brings about a humility and a, and a team teaching from each other. And then the last thing I'd say is it models for people how leaders learn from each other. So, okay, if we were team teaching together and, and you got up there and you talked about something week one and I'm going to follow you on week two and I reference something I learned from you week one, that's an incredible way to show people how we learn from each other, that leaders are not beyond the pale of this. And it models for people, this is how ministry in community is done, that we're not competitors that we are mutually trying to move the body into greater love and worship of the Lord together. So if you have a killer lesson one, that's only going to make lesson two better for me. And I don't have to be threatened by that. I don't have to be scared of that. I get to celebrate that, learn from that, and grow from it. And that sort of creating a culture like that from the stage will trickle down to the rest of your Bible study. So if you were in a church that there didn't appear to be any other teachers yeah. or, or any who had ever had any training or whatever. Yeah. How would you handle that? How, could, yeah. how can you raise that people? How can you find people? What would you do? Yeah, I, one of the, I always had this leader with me that anytime we were getting ready to recruit leaders, she goes, you know, you know a leader, they have people following them. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, also crazy people have people following them. And so there is a limit to how you take that advice. But I think you, I think you go to your small group leaders and say, who are the women? that when they speak up in group, people lean in and they listen and they seem to have a really good grasp of the scriptures. And then I think you make the personal invitation to, I would love to spend time with you. I would love to take you through the teacher training. I would love to show you my process and maybe you could adopt some of that. I think you send them to Beyond Ordinary Women and you guys I know have done videos on teacher training and I think you begin to resource people that you see gifts in them. But I think you know, it's interesting. We have all these inventories online of what are your spiritual gifts? What are your spiritual gifts? And I tell people, if you're doing life in the context of community, your friends that you're doing life with will be able to tell you your gifts. Like none of my friends are saying I have the gift of hospitality. None of them, <laughs> you know, but they would have all told you years ago when I speak, people tend to listen because that's, you know, one of the first and highest gifts that God's given me. Same for you, Kay. Like when you speak, I, you know, I really listen. And and so I think that's what I would say is you can begin to identify. You have to be intentional. I don't, you know, because we joke sometimes in women's ministry, the downside is some folks think they have the gift of teaching that don't. And that requires the humility and the ability to say, hey, I'm not saying that this isn't going to be for you down the road. I'm just saying that there's a lot of work that needs to go in this to develop you as a teacher. But there are some folks, because this is a gift from God, that are gifted without training. And that's the stuff that we bring to them. But they have this ability because the Holy Spirit saw fit and his goodness and his grace to give this. And so if you're in a church, I'm telling you, that has more than even 10 women, I'm willing to bet you probably have more teaching gifts than you realize. And so I'd ask your ladies, who are those women that when they speak, people lean in? 
and begin to disciple them. Begin to look at their lives. Are they living lives of, of godliness? Are they pursuing the word on their own? And do they have the ability to communicate it in such a way that spurs people's affections for the Lord and honors and glorifies him and then develop them? Great. So what, what is your process? Yeah. Because you've worked with a team, you've developed a team. How do you do that? Yeah, I, so one, with team teaching, what I don't think is helpful is let's say you had 12 lessons. I don't think four people get three. I think sometimes what is helpful and good is to have a main voice, and often this is going to be the person on staff or the most senior teacher that's going to carry the lion's share. And so maybe you have someone who goes every other week, and then you fill in the teachers in between. Because especially, I've learned with books like Narrative, where there's a story going through it, you need to make sure that story is getting pushed all the way through. But what I'd say is you have someone who's really going to lead it. A lot of work happens before Bible study ever launches. So if you've got a fall Bible study in the summer, your team is meeting, and you guys are agreeing what are the themes, um, what are the main ideas, uh, what are, the, what are the, the drums that we, you know, if you could hear the drum beat in the background, what are the things that you're going to keep saying over and over again? And so, like, maybe for a book of Genesis, you're going to talk about God's faithfulness despite failure. You're going to talk about the word beginnings. You're going to talk about, you know, birth being come out of it. You might even have an outline, you know, creation, fall, flood, tower, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you're going to have those things already decided so that your teachers, when they come to their specific passage, already know, I should be looking for beginnings. I should be looking for God's faithfulness despite failure. I should be looking for Abraham is going to be a central figure in these chapters. I should look for him. And so that's why I'd say is you get your team together way ahead of time and you decide on these themes. You decide on these ideas and then you get your team ready to so that when it's you're ready to go I can count on you the week before that you're going to do what what I'm going to need you to do in order for me to carry the story forward the next week and so um, that's a lot of the work ahead of time and that requires I think a seasoned teacher someone who really understands the book um, someone who who's going to take the lion's share of that teaching to really set the pace but that benefits everyone I mean that benefits the teacher who's who's not as experienced, they're able to really dive in and know, okay, if I'm hitting these major themes, then I'm probably within the, the boundaries of what we're all trying to communicate. And so I think it can be done. It just takes some planning and some forethought. And, um, and then the last thing I'd say is a team allows for really healthy feedback. Uh, what is so difficult is when you teach, you're incredibly vulnerable. I mean, you're putting yourself out there in front of lots of people so you have to have a team that you really trust that can come together and say, hey, here are the things we thought you did really well. And we know because we're teachers and we're for you and we love you. And here are some things that maybe next time to consider and think about and sharpen and, and get better at. And that's a lot easier to receive that when you feel like you're a part of a team as opposed to Sally come lately who you don't know who's just emailing you in because we've all had that feedback or someone who's not teaching at all who's sometimes a leader who's just giving feedback and they're going, I really don't even even really know how to give teacher feedback, the team allows for a healthy environment for that and for people to grow in their gifts together. And so just in a practical sense, how, how have you done that? Has, have you met together yeah. afterwards? Have you uh, just emailed each other with feedback? Yeah. I mean, exactly yeah. how have you done that? So I, I think feedback's always best done face-to-face -face if you can help it. I think if you have the time and the margin with your leaders, I think it's best to say, hey, you're coming. So let's get together ahead of your time and talk about what you think you're going to teach. And then that way you can cut off some of that before it happens. I think that's always, you know, preparation is going to be way better than correction. And so I think that's one way to do it is, hey, you're going to teach on Wednesday, Monday afternoon. We always have that time ready to go where I meet with my teacher that week. Hey, what are you planning to talk about? What are your key themes? What are your examples? Great. Love it. 
can't wait to hear it. Or, ooh, have you maybe thought about this and maybe thought about that? And then feedback afterwards. Sometimes that's immediate. I always immediately got feedback. I, that's one of the things that I had a coworker. I walked right off that stage before anything else. And I'm like, tell me, what can I do better? What can, and especially if you, I, I worked in an environment where I taught on Wednesday and I would give that exact same lesson Thursday night. And so that's a great time to say, what can I do better before? I was called Wednesday morning, my dress rehearsal and Thursday night, the show. Uh, and so that's why I'd say is in person, close to the time that they gave it. Um, or I would schedule in team time, maybe quarterly, maybe every four weeks or so to come together as a team and say, okay, hey guys, what are we doing well? What do we want to keep doing? What do we want to stop doing? What do we want to start doing? Uh, but I do think feedback in person, if you can do it. Uh, a lot of Bible studies are set up where you usually have teaching and then you go to small group. And I would encourage that time when people are in small group to grab your teacher, encourage them, love on them, really celebrate what they've done well, and then say, hey, just stuff to consider for next time. And um, if you create that culture, then it feels less, I, I know some people at home might be cringing, thinking, ooh, that sounds really difficult. If you create a culture that does that and it's expected, and the lead teacher also gets feedback, because I was often the lead teacher, and I am not above feedback. I certainly need help, and I, I got better because of all the feedback over the years. And so if you can create that culture early on in a ministry, or, hey, it's going to be awkward for the first few weeks, but we're going to do this, it builds so much trust and love and camaraderie within that teaching team that will propel you all to be better at what you do and, of course, honor the Lord while you're doing it. Absolutely. And I think I think everything that you shared is just very, very wise. And I know that it's hard to find somebody to give you feedback if you don't have a team around That's you right. like you're describing. Other people who are in the same boat who want feedback as well. Yeah. And if somebody doesn't want feedback, yeah. You may not they want to be your teacher. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. honestly, we should be wanting That's to right. improve. That's right. And no because matter. it's about the glory of God. It's Absolutely. not about you liking me or me wanting you to think I'm the best, but it's about how can I excel still more in the gifts that God has given me. Right. And we all fall into these ruts yeah. that we, we yeah. just do the same thing too yeah. often. We say the same yeah. things too often. And so if you don't get some kind of outside feedback yeah. on those things, you miss them. Because yeah. I think I'm awesome every time. So, no, <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, thank you, Nike. Of course. And if you have further questions about this, just email us. Uh, contact, use the contact form on our website at beyondordinarywomen.org and ask questions. We're happy to answer you. And if I don't have any insight into something that I haven't done myself, I will just contact Nika right. and she will get back with you. And we have some other videos with Nika, as she mentioned earlier, we have some on millennials and we're, we're going to have other videos. So just go to our website and look for videos from her because she has lots of help and information for you. Thanks for listening to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. You can find more podcasts and information about women in leadership by going to beyondordinarywomen.org. This podcast was produced by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries. Our production team includes Evelyn Babcock, Kay Daigle, Kay Halligan, Deborah Herring, Sharifa Stevens, and John Sparks. Theme music, Back in Stride by Don Miller, used by courtesy of Christine Miller.